Welcome to Getting Granular, the podcast where digital marketing experts from the agency Granular talk about the latest trends, tried and true best practices, and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to grow your business, improve your digital skills, or just want to hear some Midwest PPC experts rant about digital media, you've come to the right place. Have you ever had a client ask you about geofencing only to find out that they're asking about location targeting on a very normal campaign? We're here today to discuss what exactly the differences are between location targeting, geotargeting, geofencing, and the newly confusing geoframing. Thank you all for tuning into the Getting Granular podcast today. I'm your host, Chris Caesar, continuing our programmatic series uh, where we cover all things programmatic advertising. Joined, as always, by Anna Borchert, Director of Digital Media here at Granular. Why, hello. Great to have you once again, Anna. Very excited. So let's start from the beginning. Geofencing, geoframing, display, all of these terms have seemingly been used pretty interchangeably over mm-hmm. the last five, ten years, as, as long as they've existed. Yes, definitely I've had clients ask me many questions about this. One or two? One or two, maybe five, ten. Fifteen, twenty. Yeah. All of them. So let's let's start at, again. Let's start at the very top. Let's explain what each one of these terms means. So geofencing. That term gets thrown around all the time. Mm-hmm. What is geofencing? Geofencing is technically going to be real-time targeting using a quote-unquote fence or third-party tool to decide a location. So whether that's like a McDonald's, the Pfizer Forum, um, the Milwaukee Lakefront, um, you can get down to the parking lot of a specific location or you can geofence like 18 miles of a location. So that would be real-time devices in that fence. So you can draw a fence around whatever location so, you want. So I am going to a Bucks game, and we're targeting Pfizer Forum. Mm-hmm. You can then see, you can then see that I see an ad. See to it that I see an ad. Yes, because your device will be within that fence or that location that I'm choosing very specifically. So like 300 meters, you know, parking lot, etc. Are there any restrictions in terms of? like with the iOS 14 and opting out of tracking, things like that. Is there is there a tracking component to it, or is it literally we can show this to any device that, you know? Well, it'll be your location services and your, like, phone settings. So, of course, it does potentially limit the reach based on that. And, you know, within geofencing, too, it doesn't only have to be mobile. It can be desktop as well. So as long as my phone or my iPad, my laptop, whatever it is, knows that I'm in that location... I'm going to be eligible to see that ad. Correct. Cool. Geoframing yes. is not the same as geofencing. It is not. All right. So what is geoframing? So geoframing is going to be kind of like a look back window if you're at that particular fence or location that is built out. So, you know, in your example, if you're at Pfizer Forum and your device ID is then logged by, you know, the third party uh, fence that we created, we could then create a look back window. So 15 days, 30 days basically can go up to like 360. We can create that for knowing you're at said location and like giving you an ad after the fact. So that works really well in B2B where someone might be at a conference. We know that you were at said conference and then we can, you know, basically retarget you with an ad later on. So the way I'm understanding it, and correct me if I'm wrong here, 
geofencing is active. Geoframing is look back sort of. Yeah, passive. Is that the best way to describe it? Pa- no, Pas- passive. Passive. Pa- All right, we made up a new <laughs> word, passive. Yeah, so it'll be like look back. Look back versus real time. Okay, cool. And then just to make sure we have all our bases covered, just general display, which, yes. again, we've heard all the time of, oh, we're geofencing these people when really it's just a geotarget display geotarget. Yep. So that would be, you know, uh, the, mostly as specific as you can get is a zip code, um, you know, mile radius around a zip code. You can't necessarily always get as granular as you can with um, the third party tools where, again, you can get like down to the parking lot for a lot of them. Okay. Cool. So, I mean, we already sort of covered this, but let's take that step next step into some real world examples of what this is. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of industries can be relevant for this. Um, I kind of had already mentioned like uh, a conference, for example. Um, So I'm actually going to a conference next week, ironically, a programmatic conference. Um, So something that they could be doing or that you could do in general is, you know, set up a fence around the hotel where it's located. Um, I keep all my location services turned on for the most part because I like to see my own ads and everything and I don't really care that much. Um, so anyone who's knowing that I'm there, whether it's like the actual, um, events sponsor, um, or whether it's like other people who are going to that, who might want to be getting our business, they can set up a fence there and then they'll get my device ID in that third party and then can show me ads later on within a look back window. Okay. So taking the example of a conference, um, Using my again, using my own personal experience, um, not to nerd out too much, but back in 2018 or 2019, I was at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So that was in you know a, a huge convention center. Yep. Um, and say I was a retailer of you know custom Star Wars memorabilia. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to show people at Star Wars Celebration my ads, say hey, I'm at this booth, mm-hmm. that would be a geofence. Correct, because that is real time. You're actually in the moment there. And then if I wanted to show my ads to people who had been at the conference and say, thank you for attending. Thank you for attending. Please visit our website. That would be a geoframe. Correct. Now, this convention center was massive. So there was also um, there was also an engineering conference going on in just like a separate one of the grand halls or whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it. Are there ways that we can make sure that we're distinctively showing separately or do they all fall within the same geofence? How does that work? So, you know, theoretically, it falls within the same geofence for that kind of like large convention center. But what you can do is basically add an and statement when you're creating your campaign and add in audience targeting. So either it's like an interest for Star Wars or like past purchase behavior for Star Wars stuff. In that example, we could, you know, add that in. Or for a conference like I'm going to, um, obviously, like in Vegas, the hotels have a lot of things. There's people on vacation. There might be other conferences, et cetera. We can add in like employment or um, like job title targeting for those folks. Okay, so it's not just a matter of people who are in this location. You also have the ability to layer on that. Correct. But if you're doing something broader, like, you know, your um, uh, uh museum trying to increase visitation for um, like people who are coming to visit the city, we don't necessarily need any additional targeting because we're just trying to reach kind of 
you know, everyone. There might be people from Milwaukee who haven't been to that museum. There might be people from Chicago who haven't been to that museum. So then in that way, we would want to leave, you know, no audience targeting and just create the fence around that location. Or even something more general, like a grocery store, perhaps, where everybody needs to buy groceries. Yeah, exactly. So you could do something like that as well. Okay. So as long as it's more applicable to, to the masses, you can sort of keep that more open as opposed to if you have more of an esoteric interest, you still have that ability to zero in on it. Yeah, exactly. So are, you can kind of do both. Are there different costs associated with that? Like if we were layering on more targeting? Um, I mean, anytime with programmatic, when you add in some of that audience targeting, you have to pay for said data. So there is going to be just like an increase in the CPM for that. So then it's sort of a matter of finding the balance of do we want to keep this cheap and appeal to the masses or mm -hmm. are we willing or to pay a little bit? Or do we need to be more specific? Yeah. So we covered that a little pretty pretty well in depth already. Mm -hmm. um, let's, as as we usually do in this series, let's let's move on to the, the pros of using each one of these different um, tactics. Yeah. So, um, you know, we kind of mentioned a couple of these already, um, but with geofencing, the best pro is if you're looking to target someone, you know, very real time. So whether they're at a conference, they're at a concert, they're at the Star Wars event. Um, celebration. Celebration. Um, you're, you know, hitting someone when they're actively there. Um, you can also have it mobile or desktop. So you can potentially be like looking at targeting people, you know, like at a business, for example, you can put in that location. Um, so they would, you know, potentially hit that when they're just on their computer. Um, and it's also just really great for awareness when you need to make a specific set of people in a location, whether they're visiting, whether it's, you know, kind of like you said, maybe it's a grocery store targeting Pfizer Forum because there's a lot of people there. Um, so it can be really great in that instance. So not that anyone would ever do this, but if I am bank A and I'm looking to recruit people to work at my bank, and I know my biggest competitor is Bank B and Bank C that are that have these massive buildings and headquarters. Yes, you can put a geofence there. And I could say, come work at my Bank A. In theory, yeah. In theory. But nobody would ever do that, right? I have no idea. But, yeah, so geofencing obviously has its positives. Um, Geoframing is going to have its own benefits. Um, the best pro is if you're looking to hit someone after they've been to that particular location or event. So, you know, kind of like you're referencing, if people have been to a competitor store or competitor location, you can um, create that as that fence and then show them your ads after the fact. Or whether it's, you know, as we kind of mentioned, like if you're at a conference, that's going to be obviously like, your best case scenario could have something of like, maybe you didn't see our booth, but we were at X conference. You should come check out our business, whatever. Um, so you can create a look back to about six months. Um, so, you know, I could potentially theoretically be getting ads six months from now from this conference. Um, so again, just very great for awareness when people have already been to that location. Okay. And then what about display? So that's going to be, you know, kind of best when your location doesn't need to be as detailed or granular as like the geofencing or geofarming. So really great for, you know, general awareness campaigns where you're looking to just target a mile around like Milwaukee's lakefront. Okay. And then I guess, as always, take that pivot in. And what are some what are some potential challenges of, of using each one of these? Yeah. So geofencing, you know, it can be too restrictive depending on... Um, 
you know, what your audience is or what the goal of the campaign is going to be. What do you mean by that? So, you know, if we're looking at like, um, like the uh, kite festival that happens downtown, right? Sure. Um, so like the kite festival, for example, down on the lakefronts, um, that might potentially have a limited amount of people on their phones, you know, whereas if you're trying to reach people in general who might be visiting for that, um, whether they're like at hotels, et cetera, you might be better doing like a general display campaign and just targeting like everyone getting more specific on like that interest since that's more of a generic one. So you could do like a traditional programmatic display campaign. And then, you know, kind of for all three of these, um, something to keep in mind with, you know, a lot of display um, is that it's just going to have low conversion rates. So kind of all three are going to have that. Okay. So then what about geoframing specifically? Yeah. So that it is mobile only since the ads are shown later on mobile delivered via the device ID. So again, can be very limited. So if I am in one of these geoframes, but I'm logged into, say, my Google account on my device. And then I go home, back in this look back window, and log in on my laptop, also logged into my Google account. I wouldn't be eligible to see those ads on, the, on, on my laptop. It would still only be to my phone. I mean, we can set up cross-device, but I'm not sure if it would actually go like through because it uses like your actual device ID, not your Google account like you would on more traditional account campaigns. Sure. Okay, so there is none of that cross-device cross, cross device tracking. There may be, but it would be very, very iffy Vague. at best. Yes, because okay. it's like the actual device ID. So like you can also upload device IDs. You know, every if you go into your settings, you have that number. So. Okay, and but that would require us to have... Yeah, you can get them, but not not what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of like the negatives for display. Um, it can be, you know, really great low CPCs, low CPMs, placements all over the web. But it's going to be, you know, more general, not as detailed for either user targeting, if you want to add in some of that third-party details, or in terms of, like, the very specific location that you might want. And sort of like you referenced previously, um, we're still going to have really low conversion rates on this. Yeah, exactly. More of a more of an awareness and and brand recollection type type play. Yep, exactly. That's kind of when it works best. Okay, thanks, Anna. This has all actually been very interesting and helpful. And I know that even I have had these issues where the the geofencing has gotten confused mm -hmm. with the display, um, and then geoframing is something that's brand new to even me. So all of this has been super helpful. Um, I guess, did you want to wrap it up with, you know, any main takeaways or any other general thoughts you had about stuff? Yeah. So, you know, just to kind of reference, as you said, um, it's a very niche kind of targeting. That's great when you are looking to target a specific location. Um, so it works really well for a lot of clients, a lot of industries. Um, and something that is just helpful to explain since it is, you know, commonly mistaken for that general geotargeting. All right. Awesome. As always, Anna, great to have you in. Great to talk again about programmatic stuff. Yeah. And everyone else, please stay tuned for our next installment of our programmatic podcast series, Podcast Advertising. Yes, a podcast about advertising on podcasts programmatically. And thanks for listening to the Getting Granular podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any PPC tips, tricks, or news in the digital marketing world. If you wanted to leave us a review or send any questions, has to see 
or like us to cover any specific topics, we'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, just reach out to reach out to us. Um, and as always, I've been your host, Chris Caesar. Thanks for getting granular with us today.